We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Sarah, former Pittsburgh Steeler turned ESPN analyst Ryan Clark, he is at it again, and he delivered a passionate, spot-on, I might add, rant in favor of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens on Monday. Yeah, he did, and RC shared his thoughts on how Baltimore's offense is already evolving just two weeks into the season, and he even called out those who, in his words are starting to grade Lamar the same way Floyd Mayweather's fights used to be graded. Yeah, we'll have much more context on all of that. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host Sarah Ellison. It is Tuesday, September 19th, and this is your morning Ravens update from inside the vault, powered by our friends at Cybertech. All right, so we learned significant news in the injury department regarding both Marcus Williams and Odell Beckham Jr. We'll also discuss a dominant, and I mean dominant, performance by Baltimore's O-line, and we'll do that by the numbers. Plus, second-year defensive coordinator Mike McDonald has garnered plenty of national buzz after his efforts with multiple starters down in the secondary on Sunday in Cincy. Yeah, maybe a little too much buzz, and I'll explain that later. But yeah, we have all of that and more coming up. So thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. All right, Bobby, I know that you're pretty fired up about this first uh, section of our content. I know you saw on... Yes, PN's first take. You were the first one to find this. Uh, there was like a little debate, and it it already kind of pushes you aback when you find out what the Chiron is. You know how they always have the, the question that the panel is discussing. And the question, this is the day after really a wonderful offensive performance led by Lamar Jackson, Todd Munkin, all these wide receivers, the running game, the offensive line. You know you saw the game. But the Chiron question was, are you weary of the Ravens' offense? And one, Stephen A. Smith, well, he says, yeah, I am weary, (laughs) right? He says, yeah, we're talking about how good the Ravens look right now. He goes, but I feel like we've been here before. And he said, not to this extent, because they do have better weapons than they've had before. But then, Bobby, of course, he goes to the playoff 
uh, you know, discussion and how the Ravens look good early, but then they don't. Shannon Sharp, he pushes back and he's like, well, Stephen A., it's been a couple years since the Ravens have been knocked out with Lamar Jackson. So it's when he's there, that's when we want to see what he can do now as he, as he keeps getting older once he's in the playoffs. So Stephen A. backed up, backed off a little bit. But the golden nugget is really this fiery uh, kind of speech that Ryan Clark gave. These are starting to become familiar because as a former Pittsburgh Steeler, who would have expected this? But Ryan has not only made a seamless transition, and I believe he's an Emmy Award winner, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to the media landscape, but he's become a huge, huge advocate and almost like a spokesman on behalf of Lamar Jackson, and Monday was no exception. Here it is. You got to remember now, we didn't watch we didn't watch Lamar Jackson play in the preseason, so Todd Munkin never really got to have some continuity in the play calling, or they never got to really build chemistry. Mark Andrews doesn't play week one. Odell Beckham Jr. is out in the second quarter, and this team got, got better from week one. Lamar Jackson got more efficient. He was more accurate down the field. They were able to move quickly outside, I mean, into the huddle, out of the huddle, into the play call. Lamar Jackson making adjustments at the line of scrimmage. And the other piece of it that's good for me is when he needed to use his legs and when he needed to run, he did. We're not in that position we used to be in with Greg Roman that he had to run, that Lamar Jackson had to use his legs, that there had to be all of these called quarterback runs, which we said he could not sustain, that Lamar Jackson would not be the player that he was for a long period of time if we tried to make him play football this way. And so now you're playing against a team like the Cincinnati Bengals with defense coordinator Lou Anarumo that's going to heat you up, that's going to put pressure on you, and there's zero sacks. And on top of there being zero sacks, you can push the football down the field. And every time Zay Flowers touches the ball, it's exciting. It's dynamic. You start off with quicks to Odell Beckham Jr. Just the evolution in one week for me makes me feel good. And so now when you're going to look at the entire division, everything Stephen A. said is right about Josh Allen and why Josh Allen has a chance. So are we saying those things don't give Lamar Jackson a chance? Don't give a team with the defense led by Mike McDonald, the defense coordinator, who can shut down people, who can pressure people. When Marcus Williams and Marlon Humphrey is out, it don't give that team a chance. I feel like we're starting to grade Lamar Jackson and Baltimore performances the way we used to look at Floyd Mayweather's fights. Oh my God, Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather had a split decision. He didn't throw a lot of punches. He's losing it. It's not great. Shannon said it. It's about winning. It's about beating a team in your division that sent you home last year. I think the Baltimore Ravens are moving in the right direction of being really good. It's about health and understanding that our bread is buttered in the run game. So, so much to unpack there. You know, you can begin with RC acknowledging the evolution only through two weeks now of the way that this offense is being commanded by number eight, the new scheme, the terminology, the cadence, everything that's required in this pro-style-led offense by, by Todd Munkin. You could go to the Floyd comment, right? Floyd is one, was one of the most dissected professional athletes as a fighter, right? And, and yet, because he was so dissected, it was almost like popular opinion became less worried about winning fights and more about the way he was winning fights, right? And mm -hmm. so I there's parallels there. Well, Lamar's 47 and 16 as a career starter, Sarah. Oh, well, what about the way that he's winning? 
right? For whatever reason, that's taken precedent in some media circles and some fan bases. And then one that I know you're going to enjoy and a good portion of the fan base will as well. Let's make sure that Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, former draft classmates, are on the same playing field here. And RC, those those to me were the three big takeaways from a, a almost a he's preaching the Ravens gospel, if you will. I thought he did a great job at articulating what Lamar's doing well, acknowledging where this team is here in the early going, but also understanding that they're not going to get away from their bread and butter there at the end. And that's rushing the football, which ultimately set the tone uh, on Sunday in Cincinnati. It's so abundantly clear to me that Lamar has evolved, even though he's kind of always been there, but it just, that evolution continues. He does not care how he wins. The national media do. I promise you, Ravens fans wouldn't care either if it weren't people like Stephen A. and all these guys being like, yeah, yeah, he wins. But of course, you know, it's always, the running game is always going to be a part of it. And it's like, like they say it as if it's a slight. Yeah. So, so what you, you want him to play with one hand behind his back? Like having a, having a balanced team where you have a good defense, where you have a good run game, which obviously Lamar is a part of to And now they finally have a passing game. That's a threat, an actual threat. But for some reason they want to push a, um, a style of offense where one person is, does it all does is like the superhero. We've been there. That's not fun to play that ball because yeah, once you, once, once you meet, you know, certain defenses or once people get, there's too many injuries that you just can't sustain it. You just can't put that, that much on one, one person. So um, I, I would like it if like Ravens fans cared less. I wish that they cared as much as Lamar did. So they wouldn't get caught up in these things. And it's like, who cares? Because look, I'll bring this up right here. I know you, you pulled this. So next gen stats, we'll get to the pressure here. And it, ah, that wasn't the one I was looking for. Well, anyway, if you look at, if you look at Lamar's numbers, I think he threw for 200 and something like 60 or 70 range. He has two touchdowns, no interceptions, and then adds 50 plus on, on with rushing. So these aren't like gaudy statistics right in terms of yards um but my goodness was he efficient which is way more important way more important and but but people like those flashy stats but lamar knows lamar knows what wins he knows what wins is taking what the defense gives you so he'll 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 take whatever the defense gives and but i love the i love the floyd um comparison where it's like, I uh, like, for example, this morning on Twitter, I, the first thing this morning, I put it up at like seven 30. I said that I thought it was one of Lamar Jackson's best games, not the best, but one of, because of the command, the, the line of scrimmage, the checking in and out of uh, plays, the back shoulder touch throws, the way he found Zay, the way he, I mean, he just was dealing all over the place. And so right away, somebody responds, are you kidding me? Are you going to discount the two over overthrows? And I'm like, is that what we're gonna? Is that what we're gonna do? Like, because every single quarterback on this planet has overthrows in a game. You know what I mean? And so I don't, I don't know that everybody does that, but there are certainly a group of people who definitely do the the Floyd thing, where it's like, it, unless it is absolutely perfect, you try to take away from it. 
And goodness gracious, if we could only count and tally up the plays that don't show up on the box score, much less the the overall command that he had of the offense. But I'm thinking of a first half type of play where it was one of the rare, rare, poorly protected plays from the offensive line standpoint. Lamar's flushed out of the pocket and he turns what was he looked to be dead to rights and a loss of yardage into positive yardage and goes from second and I don't know, 12 to second and six. Like that changes the dynamic of a drive. If I'm not mistaken, that may have actually been the opening drive that he turned a negative into a positive solely based on his God-gifted ability to improvise when things Are break. you talking about his fake and then the shovel pass to justice? Is that the one you're talking about? Add that one in too. Oh, okay. This is a different one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like th these are the types of things that'll never show up on the box score that change the complexion of drives and ultimately change games over the course of four quarters. So yeah, I thought that was a great place to start in this morning vault with, with Ryan Clark setting the tone. Now, speaking of setting the tone, John Harbaugh did exactly that, unless you wanted to sneak something in here before we get to the post-game locker room. Well, I was just going to say, the one, if if there was one, and I'm not trying to Floyd him, okay? I'm not trying to do that. It's just through two games. If there's one thing that you could, like, really say, hey, Lamar, you need to get better at this, It's it was still ball security, at least early in the game. He was much better after that um Force fumble, but the Ravens recovered. Anyway, I'm saying that as you as you bring up John Harbaugh because we're going into the locker room and and you know we just took a snippet of it. It was too long. The whole locker room thing is only three minutes, but I I snipped it down to just the offense. But listen to what John Harbaugh says to Lamar Jackson before he gives him a much deserved game ball. Okay, and there's I mean so many guys. I mean Zay made a bunch of plays, but you got it last week. Okay, <laughs> sorry, man. You know, Pete. Uh, uh, Nelson, huh? Nelson? I mean, come on, man. Nelly, Nelly, Nelly. Maybe we watch the tape. Could happen for you, Nelly. Could happen for you. Uh, Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews probably going to get the purple heart, Mark. I can tell you that right now. Great job, Mark Andrews. Oh, huge catch. How many guys did it take to bring him down? I think they brought some guys off the sideline to get the down there, Mark. You know? You know? But how about the, how about the, uh, the guy that was carrying the ball on that last play? Lamar, we'll talk about when the cameras aren't going, but you know what? It never happened. And right here, you made it happen the whole game, play after play. You took yes, over the sir. game, you dominated the game. Lamar Jackson! <laughs> The line spike is going to go. He's going to go to the offensive line. Did you hear it, Bobby? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a great reminder that uh, everything is super tight with professional media in the NFL, right? Like, there's a lot. You think that that's all that is going on in the locker room after a big, huge win like that? We only get to see a snippet of it. You know, you know this better than anybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because we would get the video, but then we'd have to, like, the locker room stuff, most stuff that we did on the website did not need to go upstairs, but the locker room stuff made it upstairs. When I say upstairs, that's where like coaches and front office and scouts and all of them are up, are up there. And uh, yeah, the vast majority, vast majority of stuff, we didn't need to do that, but uh, there were definitely always, it felt like there was always something cut out. We could only be, and, and I don't blame them. Look, if, if, if Harbaugh needs to talk about 
something with Lamar that he needs to improve. You don't need to do that in front of cameras. That like that's like that's like a man and man. That's a coach and his and his quarterback. Nobody needs to know that. So, but everybody, of course, online is like, "Ooh, what was Harbaugh talking about?" I don't know. You don't know. This would purely be speculation. But the only thing that didn't go really well with Lamar is that fumble, and it was coming off of some ball security issues in Week One. So perhaps because nobody gets more upset with turnovers. Lamar's turnovers than Lamar himself. So uh, that would be obviously the obvious speculation, but uh, who knows if there's something else. But uh, but by the way, do you know what that spear thing is? Well, I see your notes, so go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I, didn't... <laughs> I, I was like, how did I miss this? But the lion spike, it's what the uh, Maasai tribe, I, man, do I ruin names? I'm sure I ruined that one. Uh, that tribe in Africa used to kill lions. So uh, perfect segue uh, into the offensive line and how absolutely dominant it was. All these dudes are happy to go into a lion's den at any given point, it sure seems like, based on what they did on Sunday. But yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the offensive line because you just had this statistic up a second ago, and here it is. According to Next Gen Stats, Lamar faced a career low 9.1% pressure rate, 9.1% pressure rate. And that was obviously down Ronnie Stanley protecting his blind side and down Tyler Linderbaum at center, working with a new center in Sam Mustafer, somebody who had plenty of starts underneath his, under his belt from his time in Chicago. But again, not a ton of time spent with Lamar. Now they go on to Add another stat here as well. Lamar's getting rid of the ball. So much so that he's averaging 2.6 seconds in terms of time to throw through two games. So he's getting the ball out quickly, Sarah. He's being protected at least a lot better than he was in that first half against Houston. And this is kind of speaking to what Ryan Clark was getting at, right? He He's acknowledging that the evolution of this new offense, especially from a timing standpoint and an overall operation, starting to pay dividends here early. And I think we shared this on the post game, but it certainly warrants repeat. Jonas Schaefer was all over it as well. And it is according to next gen stats as well. Trey Hendrickson, game wrecker, defensive end for Cincy. He lined up primarily over Patrick McCary. Trey did not have a single QB pressure on Sunday, Sarah, not one. And Lamar was hit just once and sacked zero zilch nada. There's a reason why that thing went to, what was it again? The, the sphere? There's the a lion reason spike. why. This lion spike. There's a reason yeah. why the lion spike went to the offensive line. Those boys were in the lion's den. I, I'm telling you, like, uh, there were uh, by far the, the thing I was shocked most by, well, maybe it's tied with one other thing, is how well the offensive line played. But second, I do think secondary. Um, because at least the secondary I did, I just felt like we had seen enough with some of these rotating CBs that I was feeling decent about it. And because I felt like Burrow was hampered that I was like, okay, but can the offensive line, you know, hold up for Lamar? Like I'm just shocked by that. And by the way, Mustafer, according to PFF, gritted out the highest of the offensive line and everybody got, you know, pretty good grades. Maybe we'll do this tomorrow. We've got, we've had so much content today. We, we couldn't get to it, but there's a lot of um, clips floating around of just some under the radar blocking like Mustafer against DJ reader. Okay. DJ reader is like 
uh, he's just a beast of a human being. He is a large, large human being. And Mustafer on one, just like he was trying to get through to get to Lamar and Mustafer wasn't budging whatsoever. Morgan Moses, he would like snatch the souls of a few people while he, while he was out there. And then you had that stat of McCary on top of that, Lamar or John Harbaugh was asked about McCary today. And he said, you know what? McCary could have won the starting left guard position. He's like, in fact, we would have gone that way if we weren't comfortable with somebody else. But then they felt like John Simpson had stepped up enough that it was like, listen, both of you could be starters there, but you know, we could really use you as the super backup. And that's like, says a lot about McCary that, you know, he could be a starter, but he's willing to go and be the backup basically everywhere. And uh, then he comes in and he just is such a technician. He doesn't have the shape or size, Bobby, to be a left tackle. But he just, it doesn't matter where he's lining up. He knows how to do it. And, like, he just knows how to control other men's bodies. It just, uh, how he does it, I don't know. But, yeah, I was so, so impressed with the offensive line. I remember catching up with McCary a couple of years ago during my time in radio. And he's extremely soft-spoken, very mild-mannered, obviously off the football field. And and to your point, like yeah, he is he is undersized, and he is an undra a former undrafted rookie. He's a great story. He wears a chip on his shoulder every single time he's out there, and he has bailed this team out time and time again over the last couple of years, up and down the offensive line. And it was a deserving payday a couple of Januarys ago for sure. The aforementioned Sam Mustafer, Harbs actually singled him out positively, obviously in his Monday press conference. Listen to this. I think the guys played well, you know, and we, we, you know, they, people are concerned about stuff and I understand it, and, but we kind of maintained all along that those guys would come in and play well, and they did. So Sam Mustafer deserves, you know, a lot of credit, ton of credit, played so well, and uh, just really just kept it going, you know, and, and at a high level. Uh, obviously, uh, Pat, you know, he's done that so many times before, so nobody should be surprised by that. Uh, so that, that's what those guys did. And then Morgan really had a good game. I think he really uh, had one of his best games. You know, he really had some big blocks for us. Uh, Kevin Zeitler was his usual, uh, you know, excellent playing self. So uh, uh, just just really John Simpson had a, had a great game, a great weekend. Well, more on John Simpson's great weekend a little bit later on. But uh, before we shift gears to a few injuries, Sarah, and a few injury updates, both of which are positive, if you ask me. Nelson Aguilar got a little bit of credit as well from John Harbaugh, deservingly so, after his performance on Sunday. Oh Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's kind of the first, the opening salvo, so to speak, you know, you hope. And that's that's where we want to keep building in terms of uh, just the depth of those guys. I mean, to see Nelson come in and make those plays. You talk about clutch plays in the game, clutch first downs and conversions. Boy, he made, he made him the touchdown. Uh, all those guys just played so well. You know, uh, Rashad Bateman didn't have a ton of catches, but he played well, ran routes, moved around different spots, uh, to your point. Um, after, you know, we, we went down, you know, our guy. And, uh, uh, and then, you know, uh, of course, um, uh, Duve came in and, and did really well, had some good runs, and almost made a great catch in that third down play. So, yeah, I think that's a big part of who we are is that, that wide receiver depth. I think who he was – referring to there specifically by our guy was Odell Beckham Jr. And again, we'll have an update on him in just a second, but more on Nelson before. Four and a half yards per route run, Sarah. Two contested catches. Two explosive pass plays of 15 yards plus. 
one touchdown. He was the highest graded Ravens offensive player. He was the third highest graded wide receiver league wide going into the Monday night games with an 88.5 grade. And Sarah, to me, and, and, and Ing and I were talking about this on, on our Monday live stream at, during a lunch hour. This is the new era of Ravens football with depth at wide receiver, right? Like Odell goes down and they don't blink. You couldn't have said that in the past. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Absolutely not. And for me with, with Nel Nelson, Nelly, as they say, was that dance, was that dance after, <laughs> after his touchdown catch, I, I was so happy for him. Cause uh, yeah, he hasn't, he didn't really get much of a look. Well, nobody outside of Zay really got much of a look that just went that way in that, in that first game. Uh, but boy, boy, I mean, it just feels so good. Last year we were saying, man, if Rashad Bateman goes down, they got nobody. And now here we are, OBJ just went down and it was like, we're good. You know, we want OBJ back, but, but we're good. So that's a good transition into the, into the injuries here. So, uh, John Harbaugh initially when asked about injuries, you know, wants to be vague. I do not blame him whatsoever. It is I literally take it as entertainment now, Bobby, when, fans get so angry at the way he, he answers injury questions as if he owes them stuff. And then, and then like one fan was like, he's terrible at predicting injuries. I'm like, do you really think it's John Harbaugh who's in the training room and like giving them a diagnosis of when they'll return from injury? Like, do you really think it's John Harbaugh who's predicting the injury return? Cause I can promise you it's not, it's the doctors. They tell him what, 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 they think, and then he decides if he wants to share that or not. So uh, that's, it's hilarious to me. So he did want to keep it vague, but 
he came out with this statement, which says a lot. No players that have been injured since JK are going to go on IR. Okay. And so they followed up and they said, well, does that, you know, kind of include Marcus Williams, who we know had that uh, reported pectoral um, injury. So he said that Marcus Williams decided not to have surgery. So he is now rehabbing and he will not go on IR. And then according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, uh, Williams could be back in as soon as a few weeks per a source. That to me, I don't know what your reaction to that is, Bobby. That to me still sounds very aggressive. Like if you're talking about maybe needing surgery, that sounds like a partial tear. And so if it is a partial tear, who knows how big this partial tear is. But from what I've read, it takes like six to eight weeks. So maybe not all partial tears are treated the same way. But I'm like, really? Less than four weeks? Oh, maybe. But I'm not holding out hope for that. What about you? Well, it just seems like to your point that he's trying to push this this timeline ahead a little bit. And knowing that surgery, there's no guarantee that you could be back this season. You, you would hope so with that timeline of six to eight weeks. But you just never know on the other side. So, gosh, I mean, it just makes me nervous because we've seen completely different injury, but we've seen Joe Burrow re-aggravate that calf. And judging by some of Jamar Chase's comments from training camp, there was a thought that, hey, don't rush, dude. Like, we'll hold down the fort until you come back. Well, now Cincinnati's 0-2. And they're not only 0-2 overall, but they're 0-2 in the division. I get it. It's quarterback versus safety. Different, different impacts on a team. But I, I would hate to see Marcus, especially with the Ravens being 2-0 and right now, and I know it's front-loaded schedule, right? Heavy divisional opponents here over the next month or so, but I would hate to see him come back prematurely because they're going to need him down the stretch, and, and he's such a ball hawk, and he's such a game changer. And yes, Geno stepped in admirably and does what Marcus tends to do, and that is have a knack for the football and did exactly that. But over the course of, of a 17-game season, have the bigger picture you know, that's kind of what my gut reaction says. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And so if, if surgery isn't absolutely necessary because it's not like, you know, a full tear, great, then then don't do the surgery. But I absolutely take the time. I was listening to to uh, Skip and, um, and Richard, Richard Sherman. Sherman. And Richard yeah. Sherman was all over Burrow for not taking his time. He's like, look, you, you're 0-2 anyway. So why not have just taken the two extra weeks that you were supposed to have? And he's like, you know, I've had a calf injury before. So anyway, I feel like the Ravens have been doing that all year long. Been patient. Mark Andrews came back and he looked good. He didn't look like he was injured. Like uh, Rashad Bateman came back. He looked good. He didn't look like he was injured. Like the theme is taking your time. Tyus Bowser, he's taking forever, but like whatever, <laughs> when you get out, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're healthy, then come back. Don't rush it. So more injury news. So as I said, nobody's going on IR. That includes Odafe Owe and Odell Beckham Jr. Um, now Harbaugh did say that Owe is dealing with an ankle sprain. It is interesting that it never came up at the broadcast yesterday. Usually when somebody leaves the game, unless I missed it, I, I, I didn't see it. Um, and then according to Jeff Zrebeck, Owe did leave the Bengal Stadium, Paycor Stadium, in a walking boot. That is not usually a good sign. So, again, he's not on IR, so that gives you 
like hope that at least it would be four weeks or less. And then in terms of Odell Beckham Jr., probably the, the more, more clear update we got there was from NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, who, by the way, Bobby, I have tremendous respect for ever since he had the return date for J.K. Dobbins, and then J.K. Dobbins himself disputed it. And J.K. was like, I'll be back sooner. And then, J- and then J.K., it wasn't Rappaport he was wrong. It was J.K. who was wrong on his own injury. It's just crazy how that worked. So I put some stock into what Ian says. Again, injuries are always finicky. You never know what's going to happen. But Ian Rappaport tweeted that uh, Odell has that ankle injury. And after the game, Coach Harbaugh, Coach John Harbaugh described it as minor. And then Ian Rappaport says, my understanding is Beckham is managing the issue. And if all goes well it shouldn't affect his availability going forward. So that leaves the door open that he could be back as soon as this week against the Colts. Huge for him on a number of levels, right? To, to miss time, given what he's already been through, would just be not needed, not necessary for him and, and his ongoing comeback that he's in the middle of. Let's shift gears here defensively. We mentioned it in the open. Mike McDonald garnered plenty of praise from some of the national media, including Peter Schrager, of NFL Network, who has a brand new, I guess, like coach of the week honor that he gives out on Mondays. And Mike Mack was this week's recipient. Different starters missing on defense. They go into Cincinnati and McDonald just had his guys ready to go. Joe Burrow struggled. Jamar Chase, five catches, 31 yards on the day against a depleted defensive backfield for the Ravens. Mike McDonald was with the Ravens for many years. Then he left to go with Jim Harbaugh and coached at Michigan as their defensive coordinator. Then when Wink was let go or made his move to to the Giants, they brought McDonald back to be the Ravens defensive coordinator. He's a young guy. He is a young guy. He is only 36 years old. He's a Boston, Massachusetts native. Mm. And I think the uh, social feeds were alive and well from the Ravens fans thanking him for his job. Here's a tweet we got that we figured we'd have to show. And Bengals fans, close your eyes. This is from Tej Seth, who's an analytics guru. Someone needs to edit the Bengals Wikipedia to have their owner listed as Mike McDonald. (laughs) What he did to them last season, plus what he continued to do to their offense today with a ton of injuries, has been very impressive and shouldn't go unnoticed. 36 years old, defensive coordinator Mike McDonald of the Ravens. You are the first coach of the week for the 2023 season. Tej got what he wanted because, as you see here for our viewers on YouTube, Paycor Stadium, home to the Cincinnati Bengals, is owned, according to Wikipedia at the time of the screenshot, by Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, Sarah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean... I already said this the other day when I was listening to Burrow leading up to the game. He was like, they always have different pressures that you've never seen seen before. And I'm like, how does that happen? You you guys play each other at least twice a year. Last year it was three, and yet you're still getting uh, pressure in ways you've never seen. Okay, so I'm loving this, but I have never seen a coach so absolutely in the lane of uh, – He's going to be a head coach. It is uh, to be 36. He's like, you know, like that, the, he's 36. He's still, you know, buff and in shape. He's got a, it puts together a top 10, 10 defense. He, he gets up to the podium. He like has good coach speak. He doesn't like say anything. I mean, he's just like, he's going to be a head coach. It's just a matter of when. So I'll just say this. I'm going to enjoy him while I, I can. Because I thought that he was fantastic. I feel like he knows how to implement his players. I feel like just like Todd Munkin, I feel like Mike McDonald knows how to put 
his players in places for them to succeed. Well, I think this is exhibit A of why that's completely true. Um, Barstool Banks put this together on Twitter in four games against Joe Burrow. Here's what here's what he's done. I mean, here's what since he's done against Mike McDonald or tried to do. 291 total yards in the first time Mike faced him. 17 points allowed. 257 yards, 20 points allowed. 234 yards, 17 points allowed. And then 282 yards, 17 points allowed. I mean, this guy, yeah, as, as Banks says here, remarkably dependent, consistent, and oftentimes without his best personnel. And Sunday was no exception without Marcus and Marlon. So just a... You're spot on. It's only a matter of time. And I don't know if about, I don't know, some of, some of you want him to succeed John Harbaugh. I don't think Harbs is going anywhere, Sarah, because those biceps the other day flexing on Cincy, <laughs> he looks like he could be 35 or 36 with, with Mike Mack. Yeah, no, Harbs, Harbs isn't going anywhere, and Harbaugh's never retire. So, like, <laughs> it's, it's still going to be a while here. All right, switching gears, we got to finish things up here. Uh, for those that have not seen it yet, Bobby and I obviously had our uh, Inside the Vault episode with the one and only Roquan Smith, and he was great. He was great. Everything you would expect. Here's a small tease for that. You told us that every game is personal for you, right? Which in included, obviously, yesterday in Cincinnati. Do you get the sense that your peers, your teammates felt like that there was some bulletin board material that you guys needed to take care of coming off of obviously last year's heartbreak in January. Oh, absolutely. You know, every game is personal, like I said, but there was definitely, you know, some scars from that, uh, from that game. And, you know, you don't forget those things like that. And the things that some of the guys say, you know, and the little mentality that they have and just say little cheap things here and there. So like I said yesterday, revenge is best served as a cold dish. So it was awesome to be being able to do it the way we did. Oh, yeah. Check out that full episode. Um, I, I don't know which one it is, episode two, but it's episode 300 and something. You can just go back and look for it in the archives. Some quick hits here, Bobby. We'll, we'll run through these. You had mentioned it earlier. John Simpson, he had missed practice last Friday. Some people were nervous that, you know, he was injured. That was not the case. And then today it was confirmed that Simpson and his his family welcomed in a baby boy on Friday, and the Ravens gave uh, the new baby boy, a game ball. So congratulations to John Simpson. Some NFL news, Mark Maskey, uh, an NFL reporter, uh, he reported that the NFL filed a grievance against the NFL PA, Bobby, and they're accusing the union of improperly advising running backs to fake injuries as a contract negotiating tactic with teams. And so, uh, NFL PA, they responded and they said the grievance was quote ridiculous and without merit. Uh, I don't know if just speaking here, I, I don't know. I don't, nobody actually said that JK Dobbins was injured when he was, what we felt was happening, holding in during that entire time. I knew he was protecting himself. We knew that he wanted a new contract, but nobody ever came out and said like Harbaugh never said that he was injured and JK never said that. So uh, that's at least here in Baltimore. But um, so that's interesting. The NFL is filing that grievance. Um, in other news, Patrick Mahomes, he got a restructured deal. Uh, he's now receiving, this is just monopoly money. It feels that way to me. 210.6 million. 
between the years 2023 and 2026. That is the most in NFL history over a four-season span. That is mind-boggling. The Steelers, they placed wide receiver Deontay Johnson on injured reserve. Um, Let's see here. We'll come back to the the Orioles comment at the end here, Bobby. Uh, Can you give us the Nick Chubb? Did you see what was happening live? Because I didn't see it. Unfortunately, I watched it live, and I think everybody would say, unfortunately, if you ended up catching that on Monday Night Football, he's the big-time Cleveland Browns running back, one of the best in the league. He, unfortunately, had to be carted off on Monday night. And, Sarah, this was one of your egregious, just horrific-looking injuries. It was the knee. And, unfortunately, as I was reminded on Twitter, you got to go back to 2015 when Nick dislocated his left knee. He tore his MCL, PCL, and LCL, also with cartilage damage (sighs) back in 2015 against the Titans. It was the same knee uh, on Monday night against Pittsburgh. So uh, you just hate that. You hate that so much, especially given what running backs have endured over the course of last offseason till now, even still in some cases, if you look at what's going on in Indianapolis right now. But yeah, terrible, terrible news for Nick Chubb. Lamar and all the other Ravens and all the brotherhood was was tweeting out across the NFL, just support and you know, well wishes for a guy that it just doesn't look good. So I'm, I'm sure, again, we're taping this on Monday night. I'm sure there will be more information out by the time some folks watch or listen to this on Tuesday. But we're, we're sending our best, of course, to Nick Chubb, who the Ravens probably won't end up seeing this year. But that's beside the point. Anyway, let's finish with a couple different Orioles-related things. And before we do, though, Allison Waite, who I believe is, is a listener of the show, Apparently, she's Houdini off the football field. If Lamar's Houdini on the football field, she's off it. On September 17th, before kickoff, she predicted a 27-24 to Ravens W. And as you see here, Lamar got around to finding it on his Twitter timeline on Monday and just said, how? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. She is spot on with that. And it was caught basically picked up by all the different national media outlets. So I'm sure it was Monday was a fun, active day on the social media outlets for Allison, and we appreciate her support on the vault for sure. That was impressive, but if Allison gets it right two weeks in a row, we got to have her on. I think I think that's fair, and she could just destroy me in the prediction department as well. She'll, she'll destroy everybody if that's the case. Clearly. She's going clearly. two in a row, but... <laughs> Oh, man, let's finish with this because we know we covered this on the post-game show. September 17th, 2023, will will go down and as a banner day for Baltimore sports because, you know, for the first time in many years, the Orioles clinched a spot in the postseason. And just moments later, the Ravens pulled off, you know, an upset by, by sportsbook metrics in Cincinnati. Oh, Harbs made sure to acknowledge that the O's are going back to October baseball during his Monday press conference. As well, I, 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 well, yeah, it was all one big celebration. You know, it was all great. Um, but I, I love the Orioles. Yeah, I love those guys. I love, I love, I love, the, I love Coach Hyde. You know, the manager. He's, uh, I think he's a great leader, and uh, I just love the way that team plays. I just, I, I, I see, I see a lot of us and them, and them and us. Man, they, they're gritty. They're gritty and they're tough and they fight. And uh, yeah, love them. Congrats to the Orioles. That's that's just the beginning, you know. They'll they'll be ready. They'll be ready to roll. I'm sure. Only just beginning in Baltimore too, with the way that this team's built, Sarah. I know you hear a lot of it through me uh, out there in Columbus, but uh, 
it has taken this, you know, before this town was, was a football town, some would still argue that it's a baseball town, but before there was football, there was baseball and there was great baseball in this town. And it feels as if there's a new era. It doesn't feel as if there is a new era of Baltimore baseball happening here. So it's a lot of fun. Shall we finish with making sure we shout out our brand new patron, Devin Conway. Thanks for the support. And appreciate you following everything we're doing here inside the vault and supporting us through Patreon this month. If you're interested in doing the same out there, you can do so by checking out what we're offering by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault Podcast, one of the most popular, and that that's the the, the membership level tier that, that Devin signed up for is a $4.99, $4.99 monthly shout out that you get. You help us out with the channel that we're building on a daily basis here, and you also get a little incentive in terms of hearing your name shouted out inside the vault on a monthly basis. So with that, a jam-packed episode. We tried our best to keep it inside 40 minutes. It was a challenging task, but we hope you enjoyed it. Plenty more content forthcoming this week, including kind of turning the page to week three now and getting ready for the Indianapolis Colts. They will come to Baltimore for a one o'clock kickoff on Sunday. So be on the lookout for all of that as we turn the page. Week three on deck for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison. I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this Tuesday morning vault edition. Follow the Ravens vault on Twitter. Our brand new account is up there and available for you. A great way to connect with us and hit us up via email as well with feedback at baltimoreravensvault at gmail.com.